audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at either 9 or 10.30 a.m. Lately, I have found myself in these types of conversations, whether they be kind of earshot conversations or face-to-face conversations, that, uh, are, you know, they just, they, they put me in a little bit of a, of a position, you know, and I, and I don't know what those conversations might be for you, but it's those kind of conversations that, and it just seems like it's been like one after another that I, you know, I'm either, I'm either kind of close to or, or it's a conversation that's between a, a, a group of a few guys. And, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I found myself in, the, in that topic just kind of like trying to be quiet and unnoticed so my dumb don't show, you know? I just like, I just, you know, it's like I'm just trying to just slide away <laughs> as, as, as quietly as possible so no one says, so what do you think about that? And it's like, well, uh, uh, you know, if the car is making the noise, right? If the car is making the noise and, and, and you're like, okay, okay, maybe your wife has told you, you need to take it to the mechanic. Take it to the mechanic. So you take it to the mechanic and you go there and they're like, yeah, your timing uh, bearing something, you know, other needs to be. And you're like, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, go ahead. You go ahead and that's, uh, go ahead. You know, or, or maybe it's kind of like this. Maybe it's kind of like you invited a contractor over. You've got a, you got, a, you got a guy that you want to hire for a job, and you're like, we just got this little, this little thing that we want to add on here, and you kind of explain it to him. He's like, yeah, well, you, you, you know, your roof line and the foundation and the joists and how this, and you're like, yeah, 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 that's what I was thinking. So uh, kind of what, uh, what do you, you know, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. For me, it's, it's not those things for me. For me, it's this, it's future investments. I freeze up tight, like, oh. <laughs> you speak in big words, you speak in big words, retirement plans, mutual funds, investments, stock market, life insurance, bonds, metals, real estate, guns, lumber. <laughs> I see you hoarding your shops full of wood right now. Uh, seriously, kids. Got a couple kids in the room. I am sorry, okay? I'm sorry. You're probably gonna have to pay for your own college. <laughs> and I hope it turns out well because if Jesus tarries, mom and I are gonna need you to help us out in the future, okay? Um, here's the deal. I would rather go to multiple weeks of camp back to back to back and help sort out the lost and found underwear than to have to deal through these conversations of... What and where, and I know, I know, just $50 a month, just $100 a month. The problem is, is I can't figure out where to send it. Like, I, I just, I don't know what to do with it, okay? I don't know. I don't know. So, so there's just not much going on there. Um, there was a conversation I was in the other day. There was a lot like these conversations, and it was talking about, hey, you know, uh, man, the housing market, things are moving, moving really quick, you know, and, and the prices are low, and and, you know, things are, you know, and lumber's high. Lumber's high. How long do you think this is going to last? You know, are you putting some stuff back? Are you kind of pre- comparing for, you know, preparing for it? And, and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, what language are you speaking in? Like, I don't even, I don't even understand what you're saying right now. Like, I, I don't know. I was just trying to excuse myself for it. He's like, so what do you think? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> uh In 1929, 
1929, that was Great Depression, less than 100 years ago. A thousand dollar investment in 1929 today would be worth somewhere around seven million. That's a pretty good less than 100 year investment on a thousand dollars, right? Uh, well, man, I need to be investing into something. Like, that's, that, that's like that's like lifetime right there. Maybe I need to be investing into something. Jesus spoke about money on many occasions throughout Scripture. Jesus spoke about money on many occasions throughout Scripture. But he seemed to be mostly interested in the investments. He seemed to be mostly interested in the investments. I'm going to bounce around and look at a few different texts today. I'll be reading out of the NIV because I'm not quite as studious as Jamie. Um, Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermins destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me just ask you, I mean, if, if we were to take a poll, like what, what are the things that are most important to you? Family? Yep. We're going we're gonna to say it, we're going to say it, not because we have to, because we mean it, right? Because we love our family, not just because it's the right thing to do. We love our families. My time, my time is very, very valuable, and my money, my money, my checkbook. And we hold those things close. And I'm just going to ask you this morning as we, just, as we just start to walk into this, to be taking good evaluation of self and the investments that we're doing in those areas. How are we doing in those areas? Jesus seemed to be all about the investments. Uh, Luke 6, 38 through 40, this starts with the passage on judgment, okay? And then we, then we get to this in, in verse 38, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Speaking of, of judging others, and we like, we like that, yeah, yeah. Then verse 38, he also told them this parable, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone is fully trained. Everyone fully trained will be like their teacher. And that, then that was followed by the speck in the plank. And, and we love the speck in the plank. Like we hear that and we're like, yeah, yeah. Don't, so don't, you know, you work on you. You don't worry about, you know, we like that, but in between those two pieces, we have this text there. The blind cannot lead the blind. They'll both fall into a pit. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Will be like their teacher. Jesus was all about investments. Jesus was all about investments. Maybe, maybe here's a place to start. Are we like Jesus in this way? Are we all about investments? Uh, we talk about it often for a good reason. Uh, this, this lifestyle that Jesus has called us to of kingdom-mindedness, of kingdom-focused living, keeping both eyes on him while living a commissioned lifestyle. Each week you hear uh, Jamie or I say something along the lines of this, we're, we're prodding and, and suggesting and encouraging and whatever words you want to put there to be praying. God, what do you want me to be? 
What do you want me to do with my time, talents, and resources? What do you want me to do with those things? And there's a reason why we say that every single week. Because our leadership team knows this, knows that it's not for us to say, hey, you follow us while we do ministry. You support us while we do ministry. That God has commissioned every single believer to do ministry. God has purposed every single believer. God is directing every single believer to ministry, to kingdom-mindedness, to kingdom-focused living. Both eyes on him and taking as many as we can with us. So let me ask you, what are you doing with your time, talents, and resources? What are you investing into? Let that be a prayer. We want to know. We want you to share those things with us. Because we want to come around and partner with your ministries and be praying for your ministries. We want to be resourcing your ministries. Jesus was all about the investments. Jesus was a master leader who left an example. We don't, we don't have to guess. He, he left an example throughout his life on this earth. Today we're going to look at mentorship and mentoring. Let's just talk about that word for a moment. We're not going to find that word in Scripture, okay? You're not going to find that word mentor in Scripture. But parents, we will cling to train up a child in the way he should go, right? And he will not depart from it. Train up. Train up. What, what, what is train up? That's mentoring. We... This, this mentor word, is we, we hear it most in probably a secular business setting uh, of guiding, of, of building up, of um, you know, different programs that the company might introduce to, to grow individuals into their leadership programs. However, however isn't that what discipleship is? Mentoring, mentoring others to become more and more and more like Christ. We know that this world is, is fading away. And Paul spoke about that in Corinthians very bluntly. We also know that we have an expiration date. We, we know that. We know that. We know that the moment that our eyelids open on our pillows in the morning. We know that. And then immediately we're hit with the busyness of the day. And there's probably portions of the day that it's so far on the back burner because of the issues of the day that are coming in the, in the, in the kids and the work and the different things that are taking place around us that we might not ever even get back to that thought until once again the next day or when we lay our head back down on our pillow in the evening. Question. What, well, question, who will we invest our time, talents, and resources in? Who will we invest our time, talents, and resources in? God instituted the family, yeah? The two shall become one. Procreate, amen. Amen. We, we love those things. We love that companionship, and we love all the things that go along with that companionship, right? 
Don't be so stiff about it. You know, you're sitting there and you're like, yeah. God is good. Life is good. And discipleship. And if the first two weren't enough work at sometimes, boy, that one is the one that gets overlooked and where there's some work to be done. So mentoring our children to the Lord, it's, it's a must. We try uh, to give our children... Okay, so let's, let's talk about like this for a minute. Launching pads. Launching pads. So try to, try to follow me on this for a moment. I, no matter what I hear of culture, no matter what I hear of areas, when I go out in the world, I, I see a lot of, like, I, I feel like I bump in and see a lot of good parents. Like, they, they love their children, and they, and they love their children well. And, and, I, I, and I see them, you know, with these launching pads, trying to help their children get further than, than they are, get further than they have been. And, and, I mean, look around, you'll see it. You'll see parents doing good parent things and coming alongside and, and, and you know, we want them to uh, jump higher, we want them to run faster, we want them to hit the ball further, we want them to exceed academically, we want them to take the business further. That's what good parents do, Right? They, they want to set their children up to be successful. They want to help them. And, and it, when it comes to these areas, we'll find coaches and we'll find individuals and we'll pour money into all kinds of things to prop them up, to pull people around them, to make sure they have the right equipment, to running all over the country to make sure these things happen. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with it. But let's talk about the, the spiritual launching pad for a moment. spiritual launching pad what if we were as laser focused on the development of Christ likeness okay in our children's lives as we are about some of these other areas of their life what if what if we built a launching pad there and we could get our we could get our children more in love and launch closer to Christ-likeness and to kingdom-mindedness and to Christ-centered kingdom living on this earth than than we are and than we're going to be. Because we don't make them start beneath us. We come alongside them, we coach them, we we help them, we we equip them. This This is not about talk. This is about example. We know that. We know Jesus didn't just come and talk at people. Jesus lived by example. He lived by example. Uh, I found this quote by Benjamin Franklin. It says, tell me and I'll forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I'll learn. Anybody hands-on kind of guy? Now, come on. We're in southeast Kansas. He's a hands-on kind of guy. Okay? (laughs) We need the example. We need the example. Example is the best way. When it comes to launching our kids closer into Christ's likeness, we need to, we need to first of all, be an example to them. 
we need to surround them with examples of it. If we see things that need help and need adjustment or that we're unaware of, you would find the money to hire the person if it was baseball. So find the time and money to to invest in this area the same way we would in other areas. You would run all over the country if it were other things. And I'm just being honest. I'm just being truthful, and I'm I'm a parent too, so I'm no different. And if you're you're sitting here and you're like, my kids are already grown, or I couldn't have kids, or we don't have kids, it's okay. This, 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 this pertains to you too, so don't check all the way out of it. Because it's community. Train up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it. You know, student ministry is not that old of a thing. You're not going to read about student ministry in the scriptures. Student ministry, you know, it was around 1900 that student ministry even started to become a thing. And it was just, pe- it was just guys and gals in churches that would come alongside students in adolescent ages and times. Because, you know, it's, it's hard, right, parents? It's hard. Like, I'm, we're, we're kind of in the middle of that a little bit. And some of you are like, I don't want to be. And some of you are like, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard, okay? And then maybe outside people come alongside just a little bit. Other brothers and sisters in Christ to kind of coach and guide and help direct them towards Christ and making godly decisions for their lives and working through some of that developmental stuff that goes on in our brains. We've all been there. And then it kind of just developed into this thing that whatever it is now. This past week, um, spent some some time on the phone with a with a friend of mine who he he doesn't live here, and he'd be okay with be sharing just just a touch of this. Okay, um, it's been a tough season. It's been a, he, he's a he's a good Christian man. He, it's been a tough season. It's been a very, very wearing season on, on finances, on jobs, on their family, on their marriage. It's been a very tough season. It's been happening for a while. It's not new. It just didn't all of a sudden come up. And this past week, something happened in their home that he did that was out of line. And as we talked and, and he confessed and, and we c- cried together about it, because guys do that. They do. It's okay. As we laughed together about some things and as we talked about next, next steps and how he would sit down with his family. L- let me just say this, men. When you're wrong, admit it to your family. Admit it to your family. Repent in front of them. Teach them through that wrong. So often we look out and these kids just, they won't take responsibility for nothing. Why do you think that is? Because they're not shown an example to take responsibility of action in life. Dads, we do that by setting down and looking at them square in the face and saying, Dad was wrong. Dad was wrong about this. And it was wrong. And scripture, scripture says that it's wrong. It was not nice to your mom. It was not fair to you. And I'm sorry about the table. And I'm sorry about the furniture. And I'm sorry about my behavior. But it was wrong. You know why? Because they need that example. 
they need a real example. A real example of coming to understand that life is tough and difficult things happen. And dad is human. And dad can admit when he's wrong. Jesus mentoring is all about helping others become more like Jesus. Helping others become more like Jesus. It's not about building self up. It's about pointing people to Jesus. The Great Commission, um, an, an example uh, of Jesus takes that, but the, the Great Commission and examples of Jesus uh, take that beyond the walls of our homes. So it starts in our homes, it starts in our, in our marriages, it starts in our family, it starts with our kids. But the Great Commission and the examples of Jesus take it outside of the home. They take it outside the home, and, and, and we, we talk about these things often. We talk about sharing the gospel with people. We talk about uh, sharing the, the truth of Scripture and the reality of sin and the separation that sin causes and that we serve a just God and that that just God will punish according to his law. He will. And without a relationship with Jesus, we're eternally separated, and that's also called hell. But through Jesus, and through belief and confession and, and, and repentance and baptism, walking with Christ and loving God in our hearts that we live with eternal hope. But it doesn't stop there. Because we are commissioned to disciple and teach. Not adopt and walk off on. Ever find yourself looking for the program? I just, I just find, I need, a, I, need a, I need a program. I need a program. I need a discipleship program. I need a, I need a book about this. But that's not the example that Christ led. Christ didn't leave a program. Christ went out in the world, walked among the world, interacted with people all over the place, living on mission, laser-focused for the Father, seeing needs, striving to meet them, seeing hurts and striving to heal them. And in the middle of all that was a high invitation and a high call to 12. That high invitation, that high call, he invited them all the way into his life. Who are you inviting all the way into your life for the long haul? That's discipleship. Discipleship is not at arm's length. Discipleship is not a class. Discipleship is a lifestyle. Jesus mentoring is a lifestyle where we invite people to live life with us. We get real and get vulnerable. We listen to them. We share things with them. We spend time with them. It's going to cost us something. Following Jesus cost the 12. He told them that. Inside the 12, there were three. Peter, you know, you, you, you kind of know the story a little bit, right? Peter, in a clutch moment when Jesus needed somebody, anybody, 
Peter straight peaced out on him and said, I don't know the guy. I've never, I've never heard him. Never heard of him. Never? Never heard of him. You know how easy it is sometimes when we're walking with somebody that's spiritually in a different place with us and, and we get frustrated at them? You ever been there? You, ha- you have if you've been participating, okay? And Jesus restored Peter, made him the mouthpiece of the church in the book of Acts and worked through him. James, the first martyrs of the, of the disciples, and then John, the, the, the loved disciple, would live a, you know, to a normal earthly death and give us the book of Revelation. Paul also used Jesus' example of, of mentorship. Barnabas uh, seeking wisdom and, and, and knowledge, and, and Paul invited Paul in. They, they worked together for, for a year, preaching and teaching together. And you, you, you know the story. If you don't, look it up. Look up Paul and Barnabas. And, you know, they, they had a little riff, like sometimes guys do. We're like, kind of, kind of rubbing me wrong just a little bit here, you know? And, and that was just part, because they're men. They're, they're, they're men. But they continued diligently living and serving the Lord and, and kingdom-minded and kingdom-focused. And, and then Paul took in others. He took in, he took in Timothy. In 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he calls Timothy, my son. My son. And we sometimes call one another brothers and sisters in Christ. But to call people spiritually your children... Like you, you care about them, you're invested in them. And, and he taught Timothy face to face with him how, how church leadership should work. And, and who's qualified and how they're qualified and what to look for and, and how to rebuke things that need to be rebuked and how to teach and how to direct. He taught him these things. He didn't just, he didn't just tell it to him, he showed him. He showed him by example. By example. Um, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul says, follow my, example as I, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Guys, if there's a mission statement to live by, maybe that's it. Maybe on the shop wall, that's what, follow my examples, I follow the example of Christ. Maybe that should be the, you know, the, the giddy up that's there. To follow my examples, I follow the example of Christ. Are we going to fail? Oh yeah, we're going to fail because we're people. And we're going to need to get, get real and we're going to need to admit it because there's no lone rangers in this deal. None of us are outside the, 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 the mentorship and the discipleship program. We're all in it. It's inner working around us. We, you don't arrive. We're, on this, we're, we're in this journey. We're in this race. That's what Paul would say. We're in the race. Paul and Jesus' invitation both look like high invitation and high call. High invitation and high call. He was invested. They were invested into people. They didn't keep them at arm's length. They didn't say, well, we'll be at the church on Tuesday night. It all takes place, you know. No, they were invested. They were, they were bothered. Their life was interrupted. They were out of their way. They were invested into their lives. 
What are your investments? Who are your investments? What would happen if we, if we lived our lives this way, church? What would happen? What would happen if we were that kingdom-minded and we were living with that, that kind of lifestyle of, of investing like that? I said on the Lord, and the, and the mindset of taking as many as we can with us. So, so why aren't we? Well, I think for some of us it might come back to that example thing. We need, a, we need the tangible example well, my dad didn't really, it wasn't, you know, really in him like that. Or, you know, I did, I don't, I'm kind of, I'm not, you know, I haven't been around the church a, a lot. I don't, but sometime we gotta, we're going to have to get past that. And we're going to have to look around and we're going to have to say, hey, I need some help in this area. I need some mentoring in this area. I need some discipleship in this area. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider how we may stir one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some of in the habit are doing. Romans 12, 1 through 10, first couple verses should seem very familiar. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrificing, living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform uh, to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. But I want to draw your attention to n- the next piece there. For by grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to. Is that ever a problem when it comes to discipleship and mentoring other people? That we just think a little too highly of ourselves? And in the same boat, maybe you think a little too lowly of yourself. And you're forgetting that a living God is at work in you. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not uh, all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, if, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Mentoring others towards Christ is an investment that is going to cost us something. It's going to cost us our time. It's going to cost us our patience sometimes, It's going to cost us financially. It's going to cost us something. So here's the deal. And and let me be straightforward about this. If, if you find yourself coming to church and leaving church, saying or thinking, I just don't get anything out of it, So let me say that again. If you find yourself in a position coming to church, leaving church, saying or thinking, I just don't get anything out of it, then let me prod you with this. When you leave this building today, 
ask yourself this question. When I come to church, what am I bringing to it? Well, we spent a whole last year focusing on the church is not the building, right? Absolutely, we're beyond that in maturity at this point. We know the church is what? It's the people. It's us. When we're gone, the church, this building is empty. It's empty. We are the church. Are we investing into one another? Older, more mature Christians in the room. The newlyweds need you. The young parents, they need you. Retired men and women who have been at this for a long time. Those in the workforce grinding away, they need you. They need you. Young adults, the children, all in the back and all around, they need you. They need you. What if we started to pray, God, help me to see myself and others the way that you do. Help me to be beyond myself. Help me to stop being a taker spiritually and to start being a giver and invest into other people in the example that your son left for us. To love people, to invest into people, to spend time with people. Is it going to be messy? Absolutely, because people are messy, okay? I'm messy. Is it going to cost something? Absolutely, it's going to cost something. What will your investment be for this lifetime? It was pretty risky to invest $1,000 in, in the Great Depression. But those who did, the reward was pretty big right now. But God has called us to store up treasure in heaven and to make eternal investments, to disciple people, to mentor people into Christ-likeness. Two things in two groups. The first is this. Some of you, some of us, have had good mentors in our lives. We've had good godly mentors who've shown up in clutch moments. It was that coach in, in junior high. It was that teacher. It was that uncle. It was that grandparent. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was an older sibling. We've had those people that have showed up in our lives, and they have invested, and they have mentored, and they, have, they discipled us. And be grateful. Maybe if you haven't ever, tell them. Tell them. Maybe if you haven't ever prayed and just thanked God for them and the work that he was doing in their life and they were willing to, to be kingdom-minded into me, pray, pray and thank God for that. And some of us, we haven't had that. We, we, haven't, we haven't had anyone in, invest into us and disciple us and come alongside us and notice us and see us in our struggles and see us in our hardship and just lovingly pull up beside us and invite us into their life and, and listen to us 
and converse with us and, and lead us to scripture that points us to God and to living a godly lifestyle. And, and I just want to say, sorry. Sorry, and maybe part of the reason that happened is somebody just dropped the ball. And they should have been doing it and they didn't do it. But let's not begin to have a pity party there because at this point it is what it is, okay? And, I, and I, I'm, I'm encouraging you and I'm, I'm giving you the authority that if you're like, if you're in one of those spots and you're just like, man, I am, I am drowning here and I just, I want to grow in my relationship with God. Do you, adults, do you understand that just down the road there's a college full of students that when I bump into them and I talk to them about what's going on in the dorms that they're just spiritually drowning and that they need the grounding of discipleship and mentorship in their life to come alongside them and help them process through things and point them back to Christ and Christ's likeness and the lifestyle that, that God is calling them into. Seek it out. You have permission. Seek it out. My marriage is strained. I don't, I'm, I'm 14, I'm 14, going on bulletproof. I don't know, I don't know what you, I, I don't, I'm trying to figure out how to live my life for Christ. Seek it out, go ask. Go ask. Go ask. Man, if you're trying to figure it out, like I just can't, I just, go ask. But if you ask somebody and you sit down with them and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm really just trying to grow in my relationship with the Lord and I need some guidance in this area and you explain it to them and they're like, hey, bud, I'm sorry, I just don't have time for that. <sighs> Let me just say that that person has missed it, okay? They have missed it. They have missed it living for the Lord. They're missing it. And they need, there needs to be an adjustment take place and just leave that conversation and don't, don't stop there. Seek it from somebody else, okay? Pray. Pray, God, God, open my eyes and guide me to somebody. Guide me to somebody. Guide me to, to a woman, ladies, that, that can help me, that can help me work through and grow through these things and grow. Find, make sure that that person, that, that the, the fruit of the Spirit is evident in their life and that living kingdom-minded, serving and giving and, and who they are and how they're living their life, that those things are in their life, that you see those things, and if you see them, then go seek it out and go ask for them. Pull up beside them. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fell for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. We're simply just not meant to do this on our own. God has gifted us one another. That's why we call it church family. It's church family. God has gifted us one another. And, and we're here, I believe, for, for a purpose. Glorifying God, spending time in his word, and motivating and encouraging one another to live and act more Christ-like. Guys, let that be your prayer when we continue to meet in church. God, give me a kingdom-mindedness when, when, when I walk in there today. God, help me to 
be beyond my, my guilt and my not feeling worthy enough. Help me to be on my, my laziness and just wanting to take and just wanting to be fed. And God, motivate me to, to look around and just invest in other people. And just pull alongside other people. And help me to see into their lives. Church, I love you. Jesus mentoring is leading others to become more like Jesus. Leading others to become more like Jesus. He set a, set a perfect example. Set a perfect example. Let's step up to the plate. Let's invest like Jesus.